Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Along Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, making this a part of your life. A really fun episode for you here. I'm out in Minnesota hanging out with the Minnesota Vikings for a few days and had the opportunity to sit down at a brewery out here uh, with Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. Um, as good as it gets when it comes to Vikings coverage, uh, Matt's been at the beat for, gosh, four or five years now and knows the team inside it out. So we thought it would be fun to kind of do a co-podcast. You can hear this in both of our feeds on his Purple Insider feed and right here on the go long feed. So nice little back and forth, you know, it's good to have a, a little disagreement on the direction of a team. And as our readers remember back in November of 2020, when we launched go long, we had a big two part series on Mike Zimmer and the direction of the Vikings. It was not necessarily pretty the way he leads and conducts himself with players day to day. A lot of folks weren't much of a fan of Mike Zimmer then, but he is out. Rick Spielman is out. Kevin O'Connell is in. It's a different, different age, different day for the Minnesota Vikings. So we get into it all. I hope everybody listens, enjoys. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to go along anytime. We're going to have a lot of comprehensive Vikings coverage coming in the coming weeks and months. Without further ado, here's the podcast with Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. Welcome to a very special episode of Purple Insider slash Go Long, as I am sitting here in Egan with Tyler Dunn of Go Long, formerly of Bleach Report, former Packers beat reporter, former Buffalo Bills beat reporter, and uh, we just enjoyed some pizza and tacos, and now we're here to talk some football. What's going on, Tyler? You're in town. You're in Minnesota. What's up? It is phenomenal to be here with the man, the myth, the legend, Matthew Collar in... On your turf, it's. I, I missed a big. I missed the Midwest, man. I, I lived in Wisconsin for about four and a half years. Have been out here to Vikings country a handful of times. The, I don't know what it is, but the, maybe maybe it's that Minnesota nice. I'm an outsider, so they're not nice to me, but they're nice. It's different though than Buffalo for sure. Like and and the East in general. It took me quite a while to get used to how people treat each other differently because like you said there's a there is absolutely a niceness to it but there's also if someone doesn't like something you're doing it's so much harder to figure it out like in buffalo you know it immediately if someone doesn't like you but here it's like oh wait that guy spent six months like talking to me nicely and then didn't actually like me at all wow that's strange to find out so like you know and and even the way that people actually talk to you online fans of teams is different because a lot of times in buffalo it would just be like mfu go away <laughs> but now it'd be like you know i didn't really like what you said about kirk cousins and you're like oh okay like uh oh and then and then someone had to tell me oh no that person's really mad at you 
<laughs> like that, that's the Midwest. Uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota are even yeah. different. Oh yeah, I mean it's Wisconsin. It was you could go to a bar. I mean, I did this when I first moved to Wisconsin in July of 2011. Didn't know many people outside of the media. Went to a bar, Fox Harbor Pub, right on Washington Street, and made three, four friends that I keep in touch with to this day. I mean, and you, you could do that anywhere. And it's just it's that Wisconsin heartfelt. You know, bring you in for a bear hug and, you know, buy you a 10 Miller light kind of nice. So I think that's a little different from Minnesota. I think that people like even people that I worked with before in radio, like they're not going to say, why don't you come over for a barbecue, buddy? Like they kind of want you to do really your own give thing. You an arm's and, length. Yeah. Like that's kind of how it is. That's I think. funny because that's what I did on a lot of you know, if we were want to watch football, it was a Thursday night game and I'm in town. Kyle Cousineau, Tommy Knigge were two of my best friends in town. We went to Tommy's house. He cooked out. He made uh, scallop wrapped or bacon wrapped scallops. Mm-hmm. You know that was his go-to. But yeah, it was it was it, exactly what you just said is what we did all the time. So what years did you cover the Packers? It would have been 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014 into 2015 off season, and then I went to the Buffalo News to cover year one of uh, Rex Ryan, which was insane. It really was insane. But, you know, I will give Rex this. He wasn't Doug Marone. <laughs> he was not. That. The players, you know, not to jump in, but that's what was crazy is the players loved not having Doug Marone because they felt like they could be themselves and adults and they didn't have somebody breathing over their shoulder. But then when you, if you got them on a whiteboard and broke down the defense, all the defensive players would have told you that they – couldn't stand Rex Ryan and they missed Jim Schwartz so it was this weird dichotomy of like we hate the plays he's calling and like what we're actually doing out there but we love him as a human being and we want to run through a wall for him before every game so I have a fun question for you but we'll get to that because you're sort of going down a path here that is relevant and maybe part of the reason you're here but I don't want to ruin a future story for you that you'll publish on go long but Going from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell reminds me very much of that exact same transition you're talking about of going from Doug Marone to Rex Ryan because it was the classic, this guy is the big meanie, now we're going to the player's coach. And I remember Rex coming in and immediately people inside the building started talking about how he was treating everyone better. Like the digital media people were treated better. The guy who does the Bills radio was treated better. And I think that that's the case here. Uh, instantly with Kevin O'Connell but I also think that there are drawbacks to being the guy who isn't the disciplinarian and I would just love your opinion having covered a number of coaches and then written on the national level about like that balance which I think is one of the most difficult things in sports to figure out how to be the guy that all the players like but also be the guy in charge right and I appreciate the plug for the full story right go along subscribe Today, tomorrow, whenever you'd like, we'll have several stories from this trip in uh, beautiful Minnesota coming out over the coming weeks and months. But it's such a great point. I feel like every NFL owner wrestles over that. And if they don't, they should because it's such a balance. I I really don't know what the answer is because you saw the, the dark side of um, being player friendly with Rex Ryan too often. I mean, it was, it was chaos. I mean, I'm really mad at myself, as I'm sure everybody on the beat is that you did. We didn't just keep diaries of what happened every single day and wrote a book on that all. I mean, I can remember being at Pittsburgh Pub at training camp with, uh, you know, my buddies Matt Fairburn, Mike Rodak, 
uh, you know, some guys on the beat were all just kind of hanging out. And there's Rex Ryan with the GM, Doug Whaley, who's on our podcast a lot now, and he confirmed it. Like, they're in the corner, and they're having this serious conversation, and we're like, well, something's going on here at the bar. What is it? And the next day, they signed IK and, and, and Polly, who had just punched out Geno Smith yes, in New York. Yes, so, right. I mean, and that was like the 97th craziest thing that happened to the Bills that season. So it was just nonstop madness. I mean, you had LaShawn McCoy talking crap about Chip Kelly ahead of that game. You had Aaron Cromer getting in fights over beach chairs, which, by the way, he's the Bills offensive line coach again. Go um, look up that story if you're not familiar with it. Aaron Cromer literally fought a teenager over a beach chair. Right. Football. I mean, the choir boy in town was Richie Incognito, right, fresh off his suspension. So it was madness, and I just feel like you don't want to go to that extreme. I mean, you want guys to be themselves, and it was great. I mean, we had an accurate portrayal of the team because Rex said whatever the hell he wanted to. So the players said whatever they wanted to. And it it made for, it made, it made the job fun. That was maybe the most rewarding year I've ever had covering football, just because it was real journalism day in and day out ups and downs. And anyways, um, I feel like it just went a little too far. And in, in terms of the balance, I think where it was really off balance was guys just didn't buy into the scheme. He just, it just when you got to the actual football and the X's and O's, it just it didn't work with the personnel that they had defensively. The checks on checks on checks, and it was just so different from C ball get ball with Jim Schwartz and a really good defense that flustered the heck out of Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning was still really good in Denver. All of a sudden, defensively, it's you know they can't get to the quarterback and they win eight games and I feel like Kevin O'Connell. You know, being player friendly and creating a, a culture that you know makes players excited to go to work every day, all that stuff matters, and they had that in Buffalo, but they they have to respect what you're doing on that whiteboard and respect the scheme and the offense that he's implementing and the defense, all of that. And if you can do both of those things, then you're going to win games. Right, and I think that last year, respect for the scheme, and sorry if airplanes go over, we're like directly in an, a line of airplane going over from time to time, so I apologize for that. Can't be worse than the time that I did a pod inside of O'Hare Airport, and every like four minutes was you know boarding for Philadelphia or whatever. Can't be worse than that. But can't um, be worse than uh, some audio quality that maybe folks have heard here on our Go Long <laughs> feed, which they should know that this this co-host of mine on this episode has cleaned up many of. Many an episode audio-wise, and we're working on it. Uh, we're work- we had a nice talk about audio before this. Call it a skill. Uh, a skill. <laughs> a former, As a former producer in Buffalo, I worked with audio a lot. So uh, the clean, brilliant audio that the Purple Insider podcast subscribers get. Yeah, there's, a, there's some work that goes into that. But, um, you know, when it comes to like, Kevin O'Connell, like, the challenge of getting all of those boxes checked is uh, immense because they have to respect the scheme. And I don't think they did last year under Clint Kubiak. Maybe part of it is just the sheer nepotism of it. Maybe it was this guy has never called plays before. And it's like they were they were in a year where people could get fired. And they're saying, first time for everything. It was like, whoa, what? But then you end up hearing later, and this is what I wanted to discuss with you a little more, is about Mike Zimmer and just your reporting on Mike Zimmer. And I, and I want to kind of reflect on that a little because you were on the show after you published a, a big piece on Zimmer. I think it was, what, before 2020? It was. Actually, right. I launched Go Long late, Midway into 2020. late November 2020. So it was 
you know, things started so poorly, but then they got a little better. It's like this could go either direction, right? Right, right. And that was kind of really, in a lot of ways, what your story was, was like Mike Zimmer has alienated a lot of people, but also a lot of players think he's a really good coach. And this is what we're looking to find out with Kevin O'Connell is, I think we know that players are going to like you, but Ed Donatel's scheme, like that's going to matter. And your offensive scheme, can you be Sean McVay? And if you're not Sean McVay, well, then they're going to go, why aren't you Sean McVay <laughs> throughout that process? But the Mike Zimmer thing, it's sort of like we did the autopsy of the Mike Zimmer era, and then we all kind of moved along. Um, but you wrote so much on that, and I guess I, I wondered what you thought, because we haven't really talked since he got fired and that they've decided to kind of completely wash out everything and also blame everything on Mike Zimmer in many ways because they didn't change fundamentally who they are else, uh, elsewhere, especially a quarterback. Long time coming, right? I mean, maybe a year or two or three overdue. Um, yeah, it's you can really talk yourself into either direction with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, this is either a team that's been middling in mediocrity that should, you know, slam the reset button and start over. And what are you doing with Kirk Cousins? What are you doing with some of these aging guys on defense? Just get everybody out of here, start over. And that's really what a lot of new regimes do when they come in is they hit that button. I mean, look at this offseason. So many teams did it. I mean, the Bills did it. After they canned, you know, Doug Whaley and my, my co-host Jim Monis, I mean, they hit reset, and then they still made the playoffs. And then they kind of hit a mini reset again and went 6-10, and 10, and then they've been to the playoffs since. So I, I just give the Minnesota Vikings new regime credit for coming in and, and kind of assembling late in the game. I mean, Kevin O'Connell was hired so, so late because they won the Super Bowl, obviously. And instead of just rushing into that reset, they took the time to analyze their own personnel analyze Kirk Cousins, match what their vision was with the players on the roster, and it maybe wasn't very popular with a large portion of the fan base, but I think it's ballsy in a lot of ways, and I kind of like it. It's different. and I mean, they're, you, look at the NFC. Who really scares you in the NFC? I know I could talk myself into the Vikings being legitimate contenders. I'm sure a lot of fans can, and it all boils down to the point of, okay, can can – can Kevin O'Connell do with Kirk Cousins mm -hmm. what Sean McVay was able to do with Matthew Stafford? Because the two quarterbacks' careers have been very, very similar in many ways. Is, is Do you just have to work around the fringes with Kirk Cousins? And is a little tweaking going to get him to that next level? Or is he kind of what he is? It boils down to that, but it's it's... I don't. I kind of like the fact that they didn't just take a hacksaw to everything. I, I think I think that was important because they can win with this group. I mean, I know that the DV, DVOA and all the analytics and everything tell you that this is a 500 team, right? But eight of their nine losses were by a touchdown or less. They think that they're contenders with a, a little this, little that. Maybe they are. We're going to find out. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of reason to be skeptical of that because when you make the comparison between Kirk and Stafford, what can't go forgotten there is that Kirk took over a team – that went 13 yeah. and three. And no. so we've kind of seen this before. And I think that that's the big struggle in terms of getting on board. I mean, it is certainly for me for believing that things will be different. And I think for a large portion of the fan base is when you go back to that, well, and then you start to really break down that, that idea that cousins could be like Stafford and you say, well, okay, well, 
the Rams had Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald on defense, right? Like they had Hall of Famers playing on defense. Eh, yeah, I mean, if Daniil Hunter comes back, but Harrison Smith is on Z'Darrius the older Smith. side. Zadarius Smith, they're taking a big risk with. There's a reason he didn't sign in Baltimore that was never said out loud, but I think we know physical could be related. His contract sort of suggests some issues there. Uh, their secondary is just not good at all. Like, it's going to have to prove that it is with Lewis Seen and with Andrew Booth, and if those guys step up instantly, maybe it can be. But Patrick Peterson at $4 bucks, Cam Dantzler, like you're really relying on a lot of things that – are totally different from having Jalen Ramsey, right? Uh, That I think that they're hoping kind of come true. And on the offensive side, like they've had these people. It isn't like it's, oh, Stafford finally gets this offensive line that was number one graded by PFF in pass blocking. The Vikings will not have the number one graded pass blocking offensive line. Here's how we know. These guys all played last year, right? So it's like that's where I think that it's kind of a big stretch to think that a coach can come in and be worth like four more wins to a team. And that also, you know, we talk about the things that went wrong with those close games, but the things that went right also, they six of their eight wins were also by one right, score, right? right? So it's right. like that, that's know, why the analytics and metrics all tell you, well, they're they kind of were a 500 team. I get that. Right. And that's why, you know, all the uh power rankers have them like 18th or 22nd oh, or the, the same. The power rankers. The Don't power rankers, man. The, the 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 ugly redheaded stepchild of the mock drafter, Matt. This is I know I know this is I know this is your podcast equipment, but our listeners, they know we were not we're not fans they, of these, of these they know. people. These these folks have heard me talk into this microphone about the draft tweeting and all that sort of stuff. And uh, there's there's some kind of rant from draft night that was like I'd had way too many Diet Dr. Peppers and just lost it about Malik Willis being a third round draft pick. It's like, don't tell me he's generational and then miss by three rounds. okay? but hey, uh, people got their content for three months, right? They they were able to hype him up and loop some highlights and talk to a scout here or there that said nice things and. There you go. You can wrap some NFL coverage around it for three months and make some money. You certainly can. Uh, But, you know, so when it comes to, like, the NFC North and the NFC in general, if the Vikings were going to make something out of this, and, like, those things that I just talked about being skeptical of that they came to fruition, it's still hard to get me around to them being like the Rams or like the Bucks. Like, there's this, well, the NFC is weak. It certainly is. But there's also this top four or top five that could play in the AFC and compete. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Unless Tom Brady really falls off. But, like, you know, he'll just, I don't know, have another HGH bath and be fine, right? (laughs) Nobody thinks that he's not doing that right like but yeah. anyway no I, LeBron you know I don't I don't, I don't mean to I don't mean to commit slander I'm just kidding Tom but uh that's that's where I that's where I kind of hesitate of like getting them into those teams I have trouble talking myself into that well it's hard for me to sit here and bang the table for Kirk Cousins because we've seen it year in and year out that he's still prone late in the fourth quarter to be a a tick too immobile maybe not feel that rush until it's too late get sacked and fumble I'm I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to be MVP next season but I'll sit here and say that I've probably been a little too critical of him in the past myself and that you I feel like you can still talk yourself into this situation I I 
maybe maybe it's crazy, but I I don't know. I mean, his the talent around him from a skill position standpoint is as good as it gets in the conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they don't have the Rams' offensive line, but the Rams don't have Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. and running backs drafted in like three consecutive years. I mean, they've got they've got a lot of backs and a pretty good fullback in C.J. Ham and pretty good tight end coming back in Irv Smith. And Justin Jefferson may be the best receiver in football next season. Adam Thielen can still play. K.J. Osborne, right? He's coming on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent. Uh, I, I think you can talk yourself into the right play caller in the right system that gives him you know, a little bit more freedom at the line of scrimmage. I'm not going to sit here and say he's had terrible offensive coordinators. He's, Kevin Stefanski is going to put you in the best position to succeed. So it's hard to say that he hasn't had an opportunity. But I think that Kevin O'Connell will give him that ability to change things up maybe at the line of scrimmage like he hasn't been able to in the past. And the offense really wasn't the problem last year. It was the defense. So I I don't think the secondary can be any worse. They're only going to get better. (laughs) Well, And I I feel like I'm probably higher on Zadarius Smith than, than most yeah, I feel like he can still be that disruptor that you saw in 2019 and 2020. So that's going to free up things for Daniel Hunter. They can move Smith around, do different things with him. If they're just, you know, okay on defense, that's a huge step up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're a playoff team. And they could, they could win a playoff game or two. And a lot of that is, you look around the NFC and you go, eh. You know, just, it's pretty uninspiring, but... I think that we've seen coaching and play calling matter in a big way. I mean, look at San Francisco the last few years. I mean, I, I am not a Jimmy Garoppolo advocate by any means. And, and somehow Kyle Shanahan gets that guy into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. I, I think that you, I think it can make a bigger difference maybe than we think on the sideline. And, and that Kirk Cousins has enough talent to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at their schedule, it is relatively easy. Like, the metric makers put it as, no surprise, everything is in the middle. So they put it as, like, 16th or something. I saw from the metrics people for how easy or how hard it's supposed to be based on Vegas lines or however they decide to do it. But when I look at it, I always just look at who plays quarterback for the other team. And they've got to face Aaron Rodgers twice. But there's a lot of other teams where they where they are running out Tua and saying, like, all right, well, you're going to go against him. Can you beat him? Probably. Like, can you beat Mac Jones? Like, maybe. Right? Like, there's a lot of unknowns. There's Justin Fields. Can you beat Jared Goff? Like, probably, even though I think that Detroit will be very improved. So, I mean, I end up kind of swinging along the fence, but only the fence of making the playoffs and not so much the fence of, of making more out of this. And I guess – as a, an outside opinion would be good on this because I've been here covering as much the team as the fans and how they feel about the team because we talk with people every day. And there is just this incredible frustration from years of mediocrity. So you and I were talking about the Joe Webb playoff game that you covered for the Packers beat many years ago. Think about Why this, didn't they though. stick with the read option yeah. after that first drive? Why? It will always be a Vikings question, which oh. which hints at uh, my fun question for you a little later. But think about this. 
So they go to the playoffs in 2012 and, and just get, you know, their faces kicked in in that game. They make it in 2015, 2017, 2019, and that's it. It's 10 years from now, and there's three playoff appearances. That is hard for a fan base to deal with when you've had competitive teams, good defenses, a coach who has taken them to higher levels than they were at before, a quarterback that is the third highest cap hit. Like, I think that Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adafo-Mensa come into a situation where they could say, guys, we just got here. Like, like, we can't judge this all in one season. But a lot of fans could say, "Uh, we've been told year after year that you guys were going to do X, Y, and Z in the offseason, and that was going to get us back to the NFC Championship. So that's the expectation since you guys stuck with this very expensive quarterback. And so there's kind of like this, I don't know if they even realize the pressure from fans who do not have patience for this, especially when they didn't take a direction that said, hey, guys, be patient. We're going to do things very differently. Yeah, it's a hard sell. (laughs) They've been jerked around uh, their entire lives. I mean, you're talking about several generations of Viking fans. I mean, maybe I'm I'm jumping the gun on what you're going to get into later, but there are so many what-ifs with this franchise that'll make your brain blow up. I, I, I can't imagine what fans have gone through. So I, I get the skepticism year in and year out. It's it's justified, but, you know, this is, a, this is a head coach and a general manager that are coming with fresh ideas, new ways of doing things, and that was needed. That was so needed. You know, you're, you're talking about, what, eight... Eight years of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer together, and I think you really saw two rounds of things kind of getting old, right? They come in, young players buy in, they compete, they make a little run, and then guys aren't able to buy in. And then you get some more young guys in, and then (laughs) you bring in Kirk Cousins, and then there's hope, and then things kind of get old again. So... You know, good for the Vikings to not convince themselves that they needed to give this a third go around. And and I imagine behind the scenes players were probably speaking up. I mean, they've oh, yeah. said so much publicly already that it wasn't a you know friendly environment to work in day in and day out. And I, I think it. And I always was one to make fun of culture and think it's cliche and you know why are you even talking about this BS? But it it matters. And it matters in tangible ways. It matters in training camp when, gosh, maybe it was OTAs. It was in my story at Go Long. I should, I should link to it in our podcast post as well. But, you know, offensively, they're trying to work in this RPO stuff because that's what kicked their butts the year before with Philly. Right. In 2018. In 2018, yeah. right. And it's driving Zimmer nuts. He hates it. He sees the cards. He sees what plays are coming. And he specifically calls defensive plays to blow up those plays just you know that's it's like you're fighting against yourself there like let like let it play out let the offense work on some stuff you're not gonna have to deal with that kind of bs anymore i think everything will be in sync quote unquote collaborative right that's (laughs) the buzzword here but that's where it is tangible yeah i think that the word that if they used this or the word combination as opposed to culture if they said work environment Um, But nobody wants to hear that it's work for the players, but they have to show up to work and get paid for what they do. So it is work. But if you worked in a place where your boss was tyrannical in the same way that Zimmer was in a lot of different ways, 
you would not like that. And and I don't know that that would get the most out of you. And that's really what they're putting all their chips to the middle of the table is if we improve the work environment, mm-hmm. then we will get more out of the workers. Uh, and again, I know like the players, and but they are in this scenario. They're like the employees. If you were to work at, say, the restaurant we're sitting outside of right now, like if your boss, every time someone made a mistake, put it on the big board and called you out for it in front of everybody, would you like that? Like if your boss showed really no compassion, if your boss got frustrated with every injured player and called them out in the media and things like that, like would you enjoy that? If there was some equivalent to where you work, like probably not, right? So, um, I, yeah, but that also sort of swings back to what we were talking about with Rex Ryan, where it's like you also do need someone in command. Right. Uh, you need someone to really be in charge and, and everybody to know who the leader is, and that's where the delicate balance is. Now, what I did want to ask you, though, because you did touch on it about the what ifs of this organization. So we put this out on Twitter the other day, and uh, it got quite a few responses from Vikings fans, as you would expect. Uh, Which alternate result would you want to choose if you're a Vikings fan? And we made a list, uh, and I can can hand you my phone and give you the list of the alternate results that you would choose. And I know that Vikings fans already know what they are. Brett Favre, Gary Anderson, the old school fans with the Drew Pearson push-off. Uh, Randy Moss leaving, Dante Culpepper getting hurt, Teddy Bridgewater getting hurt, Blair Walsh missing a field goal. I'm not even looking at it, and I know the list uh, top to bottom. Did I forget one? Teddy Bridgewater's leg doesn't get shoved into an incinerator. Oh, Herschel Walker, of course. Herschel Walker. So if you could change one of those results for Vikings fans that you have embraced as friend of the show and writer of the the definitive Mike Zimmer piece— (laughs) <laughs> for a lot of a lot you know you wouldn't you would be surprised how many people that i talked to their vikings fans that like sort of went back to that like man i defended zimmer kind of until yeah. some of that stuff and then i couldn't really anymore and then this year he really showed at the end especially what was going on behind the scenes and players finally said it but of that list which one would you undo for vikings fans i know that you're really good at pointing out how amazing Dante Culpepper was and was it 04? 04. Was a statistical just bonanza of a season. He was he was unreal. I mean it was Moonball City just chucking it up like Randall Cunningham with the running ability. Mm-hmm. I, it, who knows where his career goes if he doesn't get hurt. But I gotta go with Gary Anderson missing that kick, yep. right? I, yep. That Vikings team as a young Packers fan growing up in western New York for whatever reason I was horrified of that Vikings team. I mean, what they did at Lambeau Field on Monday Night Football when Green Bay had that home winning streak, they, they, they did not lose at Lambeau. Destroyed them. Destroyed them in the rain. I mean, Randall Cunningham just chucking it up to Jake Reed, Chris Carter, Randy Moss. It was it was a joke. I mean, they drafted three cornerbacks in a row the next year just because of Randy Moss. And then you go to the Metrodome later that season. I can still remember Viking fans. Maybe some are listening to your podcast right now. They took laser pointers, were really popular, and they're sticking the lasers in Brett Favre's eyes. Hey, Green Bay actually played them kind of tough that game, but they lose because they just weren't as good. And our mutual friend Leroy Horde had a nice day, I, I believe, that game. Leroy's the best. He's, he's the man. They had no business losing to the Atlanta freaking Falcons. I mean, 
None. I'm sorry, none. 14 and 2 Falcons team, though, by the <laughs> way. I, mean, I know, and I, I love Jamal Anderson, another friend of the show. He's, he's great. The dirty bird. The dirty bird. But, I mean, that Vikings team should have been historic. Offensively, it is historic. But we were absolutely robbed of an all-time Super Bowl game between Denver and Minnesota that, I mean, you talk about a Super Bowl matchup you wish you could have seen. in It's that one. It's absolutely that one. And I don't know what would happen the next year, right? I mean, Cunningham wasn't the same. Although Jeff, Jeff George was pretty dang good was. when he came in. Anyways, but just for one season, one team, that could have been one of the best ever teams that we've that we that we've seen. I I know. I think if you were to make a list of the greatest teams of all time not to win a Super Bowl, most of the teams that would make the list probably lost the Super Bowl. But this one belongs to be there even in the NFC Championship, considering also how they lost it. Uh, the fact that it's a very makeable kick that John Madden says he's made every kick, so he'll make this one. Oh. Uh, all the things that go into that one, but why you would undo it, and this was by far the most popular answer is simply because you're going to the Super Bowl if he makes that kick. Like, that is the most immediate and instant you get to go to the Super Bowl if you could undo that one. The reason I make the Dante Culpepper argument is, I mean, the 4 season is one of the greatest. At that point that it happened, it's one of the greatest quarterback seasons in history. Like, of guys, I, I looked this up the other day. At that point, of guys who had thrown for his number of yards, there were very few who had actually had really good seasons. It was mostly because their teams were losing. But he was in, like, the top three ever for quarterback rating while throwing for over that number of yards and ran for an additional 400 yards. The guy was the whole team, and uh, Randy Moss was kind of banged up that year. So it wasn't just a matter of, oh, well, you know, Randy Moss is just doing everything for Culpepper. He was the true franchise quarterback that they've never had since Fran Tarkenton. That's why I picked it is, okay, you can make a bet on Favre on this, winning the Super Bowl, or you can make a bet on the Vikings beating the Broncos, who are a tremendous team. With those two, you get to go to the Super Bowl. Whereas my bet is more on the idea that they would have had the 09 season again or the 08, or the 07, or the 06, like, that there were a bunch of seasons where they built up that roster to where when Favre came to it, it was a tremendous, tremendous team, and you would have had a franchise quarterback there who you can have for a long time. That Dante Culpepper in 2014 might have still been their quarterback. Like, that, like that is totally different to me of giving yourself a decade and a half of a franchise quarterback if he doesn't get hurt. And plus, like, think about the league and even how it changed after he got hurt and how offenses got more quarterback friendly. Coaches learned to use mobile quarterbacks better. And, oh, by the way, the Vikings got sold to ownership that would spend money. Like, that's a big difference than from what they had. And I just think that at some point, Culpepper would have been the guy to take them to a Super Bowl. It's a different bet than that. But the Herschel Walker one is a different one, too, because if you don't make that trade and you make those draft picks, who knows if you take, you know, Emmett Smith or not. But, like, they gave the Dallas Cowboys an entire dynasty. I mean, that's what I mean, that's certainly got a good case to undo. You can't go wrong with any of these. God, I'm just, like, scrolling through Pro Football Reference trying to jog the memories. I mean, that 4 season... I mean, I can remember those. both of those Green Bay-Minnesota games were, were really, really good. I mean, there was the one on Christmas Eve, Green Bay won in the Metro. You know, Minnesota was 8-8 eight eight that season, 
which is crazy for as well as Culpepper played. Um, I guess their defense must not have been that great, huh? Uh, the highest ranked defense, I looked this up the other day, that Culpepper ever had was 23rd. Yeah. <laughs> they were awful on and defense. Terrible defenses. Yep. yep. But you're right, it was that next year, yeah, he, he goes 2-5 and five in his seven games, injury, see ya, never the same again. So it, th- that's hard to argue, too. I think we forget how freaking good Dante Culpepper really was and that he would have been utilized the right way as the game evolves. These poor Viking fans, man. I feel for all your listeners. It's they're 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 due for some good times. Well, and that's why I say about what they're doing now, bringing back the same quarterback, a lot of the similar roster things. Why people would be skeptical of that, and, and why they would look at it and go, "Oh man, do we have to put up with more eight and eight? Like, because that's that that is like the worst hell to live in in the NFL is just being that middling team. It's so much worse than if you're the Jets and you have hope that Zach Wilson can be this magical quarterback that's your next Joe Namath. At least you have that. At least you have that excitement. And if it comes back around here and we're talking another year going like, well, they, you know, they did draft another corner, Tyler. I don't know. Like, if, if, if they miss the playoffs and that's the case, I mean, I just, I just feel like the sadness level is even worse than believing at some point that you could draft that guy or whatever else. But I guess if they miss the playoffs – they're drafting that guy in next year's draft anyway. Well, and I also think that they're going to have the benefit of the doubt with a patient owner. Yep. Right? They, they, they're going to have a second go around at quarterback if they get to that point. But also, I'll answer that by uh, asking you this, you know. I don't know how you and you, your wife met and fell in love and all that good stuff, but I had some pretty bad dates on Tinder. You know, there was, it, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough go for a while back in what, 2015, 2016. And I was done. I was finished. I was feeling like the Viking fans listening to this podcast. I deleted the app. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to re-add this app. We're going to give it another try. And lo and behold, there she was. Wow. Gina staring right back at me, swiped right. We went on our first date two nights later. And the rest is history. Our first date, we knew we were going to be husband and wife. And now we have two kids, beautiful life, beautiful wife. And, you know, we live happily ever after. So why can't these fans, Matt, just swipe right on the Minnesota Vikings' (laughs) new direction and and have a little hope, even though they've had their hearts crushed uh, a few times over? Have you always had the beard? So did you have the beard on the Tinder picture? I did. Well, oh, my God, I don't think I told this on your your show, but I had the beard. Mm -hmm. Grew that out a while back. It was, you know, maybe not this bushy, you know, back in the day, but I had a little hair. I was hanging on for dear, dear life. Right, right. Oh, this is, there's a Vikings connection to this. I yes, forgot, yeah. Yes. Um, so bef- right before I re added the app, I was in Minnesota for a Vikings story, a Bleacher Report. I believe they started like 4 0 with Sam Bradford that year. 5 0. 5 0, sorry. I might have been out here when they were 4 0. I can't remember, but. Early in the season, one of my first stories at, at BR, I just started there as an NFL features writer and talked to a lot of the guys on defense because the defense was just dominating. They're winning games without Adrian Peterson. He was hurt with a quarterback that they just traded all that for. And one of the defensive players I talked to was Terrence Newman. Yep. The beloved Terrence Newman, who is one of my favorite players I've ever talked to in this profession. He just, he is kind of snarling and surly and 
gives it to you straight. Yeah. He's got an edge to him that I just love, and you're not going to get any BS. So after we talked, he looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? Like, what in the hell are you doing? L, he goes, L-I-G, let it go. Let it go. And he's rubbing my head saying I got to, he's like, you got to shave your head. He's like, you're going to you're gonna shave your head right when you go back to Buffalo and you're going to meet your wife because she's going to love a bald-headed guy. And that's literally what happened a few days later. It was right around wow. the election. Shaved my head, met my wife for whatever reason. She likes bald, bearded guys who are sports writers. Same. We locked it up. So That's amazing. Thank you, Terrence Newman. Thank you, Terrence Newman. It's funny, I just mentioned the other day on the show about Terrence and how great he is to cover. Uh, one of the reasons is... I. Because, like you said, he is so straight with you yes. that if you don't know what you're talking about, he'll be like, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? And you're like, no, I don't. Can you tell me? <laughs> I love it. I love but it. He's really, you he's you really better bring it with Terrence yeah. Newman. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and one of the, the purely smartest football players you are ever going to see in your life. How many guys change positions at age 38 and then play well? I'm going to guess the answer is zero unless a kicker went to punter. But Terrence Newman did it from outside corner to inside corner. Had never played it before and then played it on the number one defense in the NFL. I mean, it's insane. Um, I was going to ask you, because we're going to talk for a few more minutes, and then you got to run, but, like, what do you want to talk about? Like, well, like, what are you talking about? And go along with this football season. I spent every day talking about this this Vikings team, and it has become, because of the way the offseason was laid out, a really interesting situation for Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adafo Mensa, and their choices have now put a spotlight on them, whereas maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. But I have been so, like, in this uh, horse blinder staring at this team that I'm not sure I'm even fully aware of, like, what everyone else in the <laughs> NFL is, is talking about. Like, the fantasy football thing happened in baseball where a guy slapped a guy, so I know that's going on. But Oh, that was incredible. Yeah, that was amazing. But, uh, but like, what are you thinking about? You know, I, I think at Go Long, we, we definitely try to cover the game through that long-form lens leaning into the future stories, trying to, you know, see how guys are wired for profiles, see what really happens behind the curtain when it comes to just the, the inner workings of teams. That's our that's our niche, and would love it if people want to subscribe if they're listening. I, I think we, d we definitely have a lot of Packer fans who read and subscribe, so that's a team on Vikings fans' minds. And it's, it's interesting, I think, with the Pack. I mean, obviously, everything has to kind of – Go through that lens if you're the Vikings because yep. that's the team that's been in your way forever. And how how do you once and for all slay Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? He's still going. He just won MVP. I, I think that the Packers, though, I mean, they underwent more change than the Vikings went through, which is kind of wild because the Packers are the team that the number one seed a year ago and the MVP and – Matt LaFleur, all this. But losing Devontae Adams, I think the Green Bay was smart, we'll see, to zag where I guess we, we all thought they'd zig. You know, mm -hmm. they, I think everybody expected them to use some of their ammo in the draft to move up and get Chris Olave or one of the Jamison Williams, one of those receivers early. They could have done it easily. Yeah. I mean, you look at what it costs the Lions to move up. The Packers could have done that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. They didn't want to be you know, just recycling the same game plan that gets you to the divisional round and you lose. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP regular season quarterback. Right. He's not a good playoff quarterback of late. He just isn't. This passing game hasn't been good in the playoffs. Not good enough. So I give Green Bay credit for saying, you know what, we're going to try to build a defense. Yep. We're going to try to win a different way in January. 
and that's what they're doing. Um, I think you know Quay Walker, Devontae White. We'll see how that works out, but the middle of their defense is going to be a lot stronger. They just paid a ton of money, Jair Alexander. They hope that he can take on the Jefferson, Justin Jeffersons of the world. We'll we'll see how that goes, but I think that defensively they were very good for the most part last year, and that this year they're hoping to take the step to great. And I think they could. And it's interesting that a team is going that direction in today's NFL, but I give the Packers credit for taking that swing and, and not just trying to sign every receiver that, you know, can go deep and, and, and freaking out in the draft. They they were steady. They, oh, I hate to say stuck to their board, you know, and use all these stuck cliches. Stuck to their board. But they did, they, they did have a plan to keep building the defense and didn't panic. I don't know if Christian Watson is going to be good or not. We'll see. And they've got to have somebody in the passing game, but that's why you pay Aaron Rodgers $50 million a year. You know what? I'm so sick and tired of people just saying he doesn't have weapons around him. He's an MVP. He's making a lot of money. He should be there at OTAs helping these guys learn the offense to get up to speed. He's not. But whenever he gets back there, he's just got to figure that out, and he's got to trust Matt LaFleur in the running game. I mean, when those run calls come in, just stick with it. You've got A.J. Dillon. You've got Aaron Jones. You've got a pretty good offensive line. There's there's a lane for Green Bay to finally win that time of year, and they could, but it also wouldn't surprise me if the Minnesota Vikings won the NFC North. Yeah, I think why it wouldn't surprise me would be eventually the wall is hit, but you never know when the wall is coming. For all quarterbacks, like I've brought up a number of times on the show this offseason about Joe Flacco and how by the same age as Kirk Cousins, Flacco's playing for Denver. is like... That wall hit Joe Flacco way earlier than it's hit some other guys. And it's usually the elite guys that have made this last longer. But it wasn't that long ago when Rodgers' supporting cast fell off a little that we were saying is Rodgers kind of washed. And then it was like Mike McCarthy's fault because Matt LaFleur came in. But if he slips even a little bit, are you more of an average team than a great team? But then you have the dynamic of if the Vikings go 8-9, and the Packers win the division at 9-8, and eight, the regrets are going to be so deep of, like, <laughs> really? Uh, because I could actually see that outcome. I mean, I could see that outcome where the Packers are not a 13-win team anymore. But then on the other side of it, like, you've got a still-rebuilding Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, who they usually split with, and, and how many wins is that? That's sort of like the Patriots thing, playing Buffalo and Miami and New, uh, the New York Jets for so many years. Yeah. And then they would end up with 12 wins. You'd be like, right, but, I mean, they beat Cleo Lemon. Like, what the <laughs> – like, like what, what, the, one of them was against Kelly Holcomb or uh, Thad Lewis. Like, what is happening here? I like uh, it. I like it. Keep those names coming for our audience. Oh, they could you know. just – yeah. They, they do can, that all day. There was – um, What is Jabron, Han- Jabron Hamden? Jabron Hamden, yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't – did he ever get in a game – um, a good preseason quarterback. It was uh, it was Jeff Toole, who, yeah. to this day, I think there are in Buffalo Jeff Toole believers who thought he was never given a chance. Just uh, him and know. Craig Nall both really. <laughs> Craig Nall. Yes. <laughs> remember, remember when uh, the Packers drafted Brian Brom, and on TV, I think it was like McShay or one of these guys was like, shows the Rodgers is just not going to work out for them going with a better prospect and brian brown is like yeah oh man. yeah <laughs> for sure and then brian brown shows up with buffalo in a, like a week 17 game and i remember fans getting excited for like hey maybe this brian brown guy was a second round pick and it was like a nightmare so didn't th- work out i mean this is the world this is why they kept kirk like 
the, what we just totally, said is why totally. they kept Kirk. Because if you end up going through that sort of, you know, one quarterback after the next, it's an absolute nightmare. And this but, is also why Green Bay just has bent the knee to Aaron Rodgers. The They're knee. terrified <laughs> of living through what they did in the 70s and 80s. You yeah. know, I mean, they did all that. And they don't want to go to that place again. Now, I still think that they should have traded him mm-hmm. and just taken their bounty of picks and players and, and moved on. But th- that that's why. You're terrified of the names that we're, you know, rattling off here. They, they don't want to live in that existence. And I, I get it. I absolutely get it. But and, and that's why I also get them trying to win a new way mm-hmm. in January. But I do think that, to your point, uh, when it comes to the Packers, like, I think that Detroit could be better than people think. Or at this point now, people are thinking Detroit will be good, so maybe as good as people think. Um, But it is only kind of one team that stands in the Vikings' way. And so when we parse through, like, why did they decide to do this, I'm sure that that factored into it, that they looked at the division and said, if one thing goes wrong, let's say an ACL for Aaron or something, we we got that division. And we can go to the playoffs with 10 wins or whatever. And really, that's what happened in 2017. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. You get two free wins. And then, you know, Detroit um, is not that strong. I think they got one win out of Detroit that year. And Chicago, they get two wins out of that year. It's like, well, you know, like these things can happen that fast. And so I see why they would talk themselves into that. I don't necessarily agree with it because I think that resetting the whole thing might have been better. Do you really? Totally you think they should have reset? I do, yeah. I think that I think what they should have done, and we'll see who's right, right? Like, is it me or is it them? I think that they should have come in and traded Kirk for whatever they could get and moved on from everything that wasn't nailed down, everything that wasn't named Justin Jefferson, Brian O'Neill, got as much draft capital as they could get, got as much cap space as they could get, pick up a Marcus Mariota, be competitive because your offense is still going to be decent. So go 8-9, 9-8, play for a playoff spot, and then the following year go absolutely berserk in free agency mm-hmm. and stack the roster around your drafted quarterback and around Justin Jefferson and Brian O'Neill and whatever. If Thielen, if Thielen stayed, that would have been fine. But Irv Smith, Christian Derrissaw, your young pieces – I think for the long term, for the seven to ten year plan, that that probably would have been maybe more more of a of a provable direction that we've seen many teams take, sort of undo it, get a quarterback, put it back together, then a direction with a thirty four year old quarterback who has not taken a team deep into the playoffs. Like I, I, I just think that there's way more evidence on one side yeah. than there is the other, but I see what I see why they did it. I mean, sometimes I'm sure that I talk on the show like I can't believe they did this thing. I totally do get it because if you do win 10 games and you do go in the playoffs, then you go into next year like, see, we were way different, right? Even if it was only one or two wins, it's, it's going to feel like it was completely different and it was all Zimmer's fault and all we had to do was X, Y, and Z. And I think that that's what they want. I think that that is like the desired outcome for the ownership of this team to be able to point at the bad man and say, ah, it was that guy. He was pretty bad. He was pretty bad. He was. Except for number one defenses and stuff that they had throughout his time. But he so, had a chance to bring yeah. in his guys for another go around, yep. and he, he couldn't figure it out. Their defense was bad. I, th- I think it's I think this stuff is the most fascinating thing in sports. Timelines, or time horizons, as Quasi Adafo Mensa calls it. Mm-hmm. But I think timelines in sports are the most interesting thing. Trying to pick 
when you have a chance to win, when you should take it apart, when you should move on from your core. I just think it's really hard because we yeah. all we all sit in the outside and say, why don't you just tank? And it's like that's a hard thing to do. It's yeah. like look at look at the Brian Flores situation. Look at how hard it is to tank. Your coach is like, what? I'm not going to tank. They're like, what if we just throw you like, you know, a couple hundred thou? Can you lose a couple games for us? They're like, no. What? You know what I mean? And so that that I think is the Vikings wouldn't have had to tank, but they would have had to have been realistic. And I don't think they wanted to be realistic. And so now we're going to find out if they're justified in not being realistic, I guess. That's how I look at it. Maybe Justin Jefferson catapulting into superstardom the way he did, though, changes yeah. the calculus of this all. Yep. Right? Like, he's so freaking good that you don't even want to waste one year of him with a Marcus Mario, yep. to use your example. Yep. You. You want to convince him to stay long term, so you know Kirk Cousins is very good, and he's going to get him the ball and make him happy. And look at the NFC, look at the Packers, you can talk yourself into the Vikings. I I get it. Maybe he maybe he's a, a big reason why they decide to go for it because you don't want to waste a talent like yep. that. And on the other side of things. He's been a top three receiver, top five receiver in football, and they've missed the playoffs two years in a row. True. And if they do it again, how do you say, stay with us? Like, if you didn't change anything and you missed the playoffs again and your direction didn't work, hey, sign that big contract. I'm sure we'll make it eventually. All right? Like, these things, you know, I mean, the best laid plans or whatever, when you think that way, when you think short term, we got to win because of Jefferson, that's where, that's where the last group got in trouble. We got to win now because of Kirk. So let's trade for Chris Herndon. Okay, you know a lot of mistakes happen that way. So I wonder where they are. Dig sticks around. Uh, same place, right? You think I don't. So? Yeah, I mean because the offense went back to 1993. See, that's a funny thing, though. Where do you think the Vikings' offense ranks in points over the last three years? I mean, they're I, they're right up there. Obviously, eleventh. Yeah. Yep. Fringe top ten offense, like. I don't know. They've had some of the best wide receivers in the league. They could have thrown to them more. I would agree with that. That was at the that was at the center of Diggs's issue. I mean, you've made this point on this show. I totally agree with it. But when it's first and ten, and you throw incomplete, and it's second and ten, and you run, and you gain two yards, yeah. and it's third and eight, I think that that is just a recipe for complete disaster. And they've that's kind of where they've been at. Yep. It's hard to quantify that. In numbers, it's just, I don't know, it's just like a feel. Like, you just kind of knew, oh, my God, the Vikings are going to run here. Yep. And it's going to be third and long, and it's going to be tough. Yep, for sure. And can you move from 11th to 8th, 6th? Like, how far away is that? Yeah. So, you know, I tend to think it's kind of far, but that's Kevin O'Connell's job. That's why he's here. So this, is this to me, is the number one Viking story of, like, 2022. Yeah. It's just, like, they've really – I thought we were going to be talking about, like – Hey, you know, this third round whatever guy is pretty good. He's getting some playing time. Like, I thought that was going to be our future for a year. <laughs> and instead, it's like, nope, right back to the pressure's on. So, uh, dude, this is super fun. I'm really glad we could get together and just shoot the breeze talking football. This is awesome. I can't thank you enough for everything, Matt. And uh, we got to do this every single time. I have the good pleasure to get out here to the great Midwest. So well, let's keep I will, it uh, I'll be in Buffalo this year. Vikings Ooh, and uh, that's girls right. in November. Yep. Oh, man. So. We got to get you to Hamburg Brewing. 
I have not had a wing in a very long time. Because Do they have wings out here? I don't want to insult any local <laughs> establishments, but look, when the menu just says buffalo wings, oh. and that's all it says, you're not a wing place. You might have wings. You might understand the general thing you're supposed to do to cook a wing, but you're not a wing. You're not a wing place. And that's kind of how I would say it's here. It's just not a wing place. Big so, red flag when yeah, it says buffalo. So I kind of bailed after giving it a couple of shots a couple times. And people will be like, no, you have to try this one. And you're like, nah, just like you don't understand. You don't get it. So anyway, well, great stuff, man. I'm really glad we could do this. Heck yeah, man. Let's do it again. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for uh, hopping on to our Go Long feed, too. I, I hope everybody enjoyed it on our end. And it is uh, golong.com is where you can find Tyler's work. Golongtd.com. Uh, go I, I wish I could have grabbed that URL. but Is Go Long something? <laughs> <laughs> go Long TD. Sorry. And purpleinsider.substack.com. Yes. I have a I have my own dot com now. Oh, you have your Star. own. Yeah. So we both screwed up. Great. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tyler.